Welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This week, big news in the tech world is Microsoft buys GitHub. We'll have a look at Atlassian's response, as well as a discussion over several new releases from Atlassian, and we'll take a look at the flavors of feedback from the Trello blog. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined today by Matthew Stubblefield and the glorious return of Brenda Burl. Matthew, hi. Brenda, welcome back. Thank you. Good to see you as always, Ryan. It's a pleasure. So, guys, this is this is legit big news. Microsoft, the Goliath, the behemoth, the ape in the tech world, has has reached out and grabbed GitHub for just a paltry seven point five billion dollars. You know, enterprise is expensive. Market change <laughs> for Microsoft. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, that's that's walking around money. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny. Some people I was reading like, uh, GitHub, they're, they're sacrificing their ideals. They're selling out. And it's like, yeah, you, you would sell out for seven and a half billion. I mean, why, of course. Everybody's got a price, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's still a shock though. Um, it makes sense from Microsoft's perspective. I think it's going to be really good, um, for Microsoft. Uh, and it probably won't be terrible for GitHub, but it's, it's not like they were bought by Oracle. So this isn't like the instant death sentence. I don't know, man. I, 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 and there, I'm going to get some heat about this, and it's okay. If you want to send me heat on this, it's at learnadaptivist.com. But <laughs> I hate what they did to Skype. I hate That's, what they did to Skype. It is a really cumbersome program now for something that should be so simple. So I am a little worried for the, the GitHubers out there. That's fair. That's fair. And that I do. Was actually referenced in one of the articles that that we read for this podcast. Um, you know, botched acquisition of Skype and and so on and so forth. But the article does go on to say, you know, Microsoft has been pushing open source technology, and there are moves that developers were initially surprised with, but now kind of respect that. So that's, I don't know how this is going to go. It could be a fireball of failure and it could be a really good move so i I, time's gonna tell but i was very surprised at the news well you could see atlassian's response immediately they jumped on that the the blog that we will link to here in soundcloud uh 10 reasons why teams are switching to github to bitbucket after the microsoft acquisition that pretty much comes out swinging and i love their inclusion of um import statistics uh just right out of the gate by the hour here's when the announcement from microsoft is here's when our imports from github spiked of people migrating to bitbucket yeah it the timing of it if you look at the like when news started to leak out the the scale is hilarious what you don't see and what i would be very curious to see is the y-axis on that graph how many people bailed i would love to know it's it's doubling initially, and then tr- it's it's pretty much tripling or ten, decade, ten times. <laughs> I mean, look at the day before compared to it's it's way up there. Um, and they they have a lot of good data in here. As the non programmer, I don't know a whole lot about Bitbucket versus GitHub. I've used GitHub a little bit in the past. Um, 
I liked that I could copy code and paste it straight into GitHub instead of having to work through a terminal because I, I don't work in terminals typically, so it's less familiar to me. So I liked that about GitHub. And as we were looking at writing a DevTools training course, uh, we were going to include a, uh, a chapter on GitHub because we have clients who use GitHub uh, alongside Bamboo or alongside Jira. And so we were going to talk about that. Um, now, uh, I, I may, we may not need to write a GitHub chapter as much. Well, you know, time will tell, but uh, we may just focus entirely on Bitbucket. And a lot of the reasons that they listed in this this article are very interesting and some things that I didn't know. So Bitbucket just comes with Trello integrated. It gives you light management. And it's not like you can't go out and get a Trello account for free anyway. But the mm-hmm. fact that you it is integrated into the program to give you task management right out of the box, and then it's already tight integration with Jira, that makes a compelling case. And also all the tweets, all the snarky tweets listed throughout the article. <laughs> it's very good. I also like to see from Atlassian um, a bit of the, the openness uh, about other things. So, for instance, they highlight uh, Bitbucket's integration with Slack uh, as well as integration with Stride. And that, that GitHub doesn't do either of these things as well. Um, the integration with Jira, just that, that, uh, that connectiveness. Um, so it's a good article. If you are using GitHub, and in particular, if you're staying with GitHub, we'd love to talk to you. It'd be great to know what you're thinking, uh, how you are weighing uh, the direction you're going to go in the future. Drop us an email if you'd like to uh, be interviewed for a segment for the podcast, learn at adaptivist.com. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about GitHub sometime in the future as we see how this plays out. Speaking of talking about things in the future, if you can look back into the past... You'll remember that Brenda and I teased Matthew a little bit and made him sign up for the project admin cert. Do you remember that, Brenda? Way back in the I, day. We, we did indeed tease him until he signed up for it. So and I think this would be a great opportunity to get an update from Matthew. Yeah, while you were away on your top secret mission, also known as vacation, Matthew took it. Matthew, did you pass? I did, I did and I did pass, uh, which it would have been uh, incredibly embarrassing had I not. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful that I did honestly, by the end of the cert, I was, I was just anxious to be done with it. It's grueling. Uh, it was supposed to be 75 questions. I had 89, uh, to do in three hours. Uh, it took me, it didn't take me that long. Um, I think it took me about an hour and a half. Uh, and I think in that hour and a half, half of my time was spent writing feedback, uh, because there's a comment box below every question. Um, I'll get to my feedback in a moment. Uh, first off, I want to say uh, positive things about uh, the cert. One of the things I thought was interesting was in order to take the certification exam, you you get the training. It's, it's bundled together for project admin. Uh, and the training is completely comprehensive. If you uh, complete all of the training, you will know everything you need to know to pass that cert. I think that approach is really good. It is, uh, it's actually something I had... Uh, advised Atlassian to do with the previous certs. The problem was that there just wasn't time. Uh, so um, for Jira admin, uh, we had estimated trying to write comprehensive training was going to take like three months and we only had three weeks. So instead we just did a study guide to say, here's what you need to go study. Project admin is, is much smaller. So they do have comprehensive training. I think that's good. I think it's a good thing to offer. And if you want to prove uh, somebody's real ready to be a project admin. I, I guess this does it. The, the downside of it is 
So there's sort of two resources for training. There's the official training that you're, you get when you sign up for the cert. It's a hundred bucks and you get access to training. You get a voucher. The training is nine and a half hours long for project admin. And then there's a separate webinar that Atlassian put on that's, that you can still get for free. It's you just give me your email address. You can get this webinar and watch it. And the webinar is like, here's the, I don't remember, six secrets of project admin or something like that. The first 11 minutes of that webinar covers all of project administration. There's, there's nothing else to it. That's it. 11 minutes, done. Yeah, it's not that big of a task. <laughs> no. Um, so how does 11 minutes get stretched out into a one-hour webinar plus nine and a half hours of training? Uh, I don't actually know the answer because I had to stop watching. I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, <laughs> I got through probably the first three hours of the nine and a half hour training. And then I quit and I signed up for the cert, which thankfully, um, because it's proctored online, I just went to the website, saw that I could si- have take the certain 15 minutes, signed up, did it and passed. Um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't sit through it for any longer. Now, I think if I didn't know anything about Jira, I think the training would have been, would have been good for me. Um, it's good introductory stuff. It's comprehensive. It's good information. It's fine. Uh, but for somebody who, who knows it, like I do, it was, it was just mind numbing. And I, it begs the question for me, what, what role does this serve? The certification serve in the marketplace and in the, in the workplace? Cause I feel like if I was an employer as I am, uh, and I wanted to, uh, set somebody a bar before I made them a project admin, which project admin does not carry a lot of risk to it. There's not a lot you can break. I don't really want to pay for them to spend nine and a half to 10 and a half hours going through a training and then two hours taking a certification exam just so they can create components and versions that have no impact on anything outside their project. Like, I don't know. I was struggling with it. So do you think that solid, well-delivered training on the topics that that are relevant to someone who's going to be doing project admin would have been sufficient or was there were there items asked about that go deeper than the tool there were there were there were questions that went deeper i don't know if those questions needed to be asked there was a ton of questions uh related to jira administration that the project admin would have no access to they would have no visibility into it stuff about workflow post functions and uh, transition features and screens and screen schemes and how to build issue type screen schemes. And, uh, and some of the questions were just really pedantic things like look at this workflow with these transitions. What's the total number of screens you could have? That doesn't matter to anybody or anything. And so it just felt like padding. It felt like just trying to make something that was long enough to justify a certification exam. So you have to have a certain number of questions um, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like a thing that the marketplace needs, uh, or the ecosystem needs. And it was just, it was too long. I would much rather see maybe a 30 minute, uh, project admin training and then a quiz that you take online and then you get a badge. So all that said, the training was comprehensive. That's a point in its favor. I like the bundling approach that Atlassian took. Um, and if you are looking for a qualification before you give somebody project admin access, this is as good as any, I suppose. It just it feels overwrought. Moving away from the cert, I found something really interesting in Atlassian community this week, and I wanted to see what you guys thought. Because I'm a bit of a conspiracy theory fan. 
I don't think they're real, okay? It's very important to know that I don't think they're real. But I saw something interesting, and it's an Atlassian employee asking if anyone in the community who is on cloud would like to be a alpha tester for Project Clementine. Now, I don't know what it is. Now, we've had some discussion that says maybe it's a little bit like home, the the feature in cloud that kind of integrates all of your Atlassian projects on one screen. I think it's going to take it another step further, and there will be no layers. It will be all of your Atlassian applications, one screen, chat window in the bottom, all of your all of your context right there, maybe tabs. Guys, do you want to throw out some wild speculation? Uh, I'll admit the very first thing that pops into my head when, when they say Project Clementine is we're rebranding everything in orange. <laughs> mm. Which would be great for us at Adaptivist. You'd be okay with that. I, I think, so I was the one who had suggested home. And in particular, we'll link this out here. They're only looking for 30 people for the alpha. My guess is they've already filled up, but they, they haven't posted to update this that they have yet. So if you are using cloud, uh, if you have some other products, this may be interesting to you. I like the extension into Google Calendar, Office 365, Trello, uh, Google Drive, GitHub, Box. Again, they're, they're looking at things outside. Um, I wish they had Evernote in there. I'm a huge Evernote user. It would be nice to have that alongside uh, Jira and Trello because I, I go between those tools a lot. But yeah, that's my guess is that it's going to be a, an extension or a, a rebuild of home that brings in your entire workspace, not just the Atlassian tools. One thing that's mentioned in the post is Clementine's mission is to help you take control of your workday. And that makes me think um, <clears throat> something along the lines of NetVibes or similar dashboarding mm. application where you you add these different gadgets that could be an RSS feed or it could be a, a gadget from a particular app. Um, I used NetVibes for years and I could bring in all the different bits of my life so I'm almost wondering if this is going to be something like that, where it's it's something that's going to be incredibly flexible. It's going to bring in the Atlassian tools, but allow you to bring in external sources as well. And I think that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're one of our listeners out there and you signed up for the Project Clementine Alpha and you're not under an NDA, we would really <laughs> like to hear from you because we're really curious. We're like kittens. Drop us a line at learn at adaptivist.com. And if we hear from nobody, we will just assume that the conspiracy is true. We're moving out of the realm of speculation and into the world of reality, where we like to live most of the time. Big news from Atlassian in uh, a product that was in beta has now moved to live. It's the real deal. Atlassian access for cloud is available. Yeah, This used to be Identity Manager, I think it was called. And uh, it's been around for about a, I don't know, six months to a year uh, as they've, they've expanded this. And there's not really news other than that. Um, They've they've just reached a point of stability. Like I mean, that's that's good news, um, but it, it highlights Atlassian's sort of iterative approach to things. They've been building it, they've been scaling it, they've been expanding it, they've been making it more stable, more compliant, more secure, and it's reached the point where they can flip that um, sort of branding switch, uh, announce the name, the the style, and everything else. So it's 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 great news, particularly for cloud customers. I really like the customer quote they have in the middle uh, from Jared Smith at NLC about how this has reduced their onboarding process for new staff to zero just because of the SAML integration. You know, you create their account once and it shows up everywhere. Um, that's, that's where we need to be. More automation, less manual task for building out these accounts and access roles. 
I want you all to remember what Matthew just said, because we're going to get to that in a minute about the more automation, but we'll talk about that in a second. Another bit of real world news comes from the release of Jira 7.10. Would that be 7.10? I mean, I, I've told you several times it's 7.10, Ryan. It's, it's, it's not like I listened. <laughs> it's true. So Jira 7.10. This is exciting to me. I, I like the, the branding elements that have come in with the uh, we've talked about it we've been waiting forever yeah and we just like by ever i mean like five weeks we've been waiting for five weeks and we're so excited again like forever we're in tech five weeks is yeah what happens in five weeks everything (laughs) billion dollar acquisitions geez yeah we got the new logos we got the new new look and feel um jira has caught up with confluence now and that's that's it's exciting it's great it's also unexpected that Confluence would get out in front of Jira. Um, I like I like the idea of this. They're moving towards a data center readiness model where they're mm-hmm. even built into this version of Jira is quick starting to J- data center. Oh, you've upgraded to 7.10. You're having a great time. Everyone's doing good. And now you really need to expand your scope, your, your scale of your Jira instance. Flip a switch. We got you. I like that. Not quite that easy. Yeah, of but. course not. And that's why you should contact Adaptivist for consulting when you're ready to move to data center. We'll Don't hire Riot. No, no. Hire <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> so accurate. <laughs> um, I do. I am disappointed that archiving projects has been restricted to data center. That felt that feels unnecessary to me. I'm disappointed by that. But, you know. At, at least we're catching up in the styling from the stuff that we saw last year. Um, there's some nice quality of life improvements beyond that. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's great that it's here. I'm hoping we see more stride integration in the future as well. Uh, we talked in weeks past about how the uh, Jira and stride integration up till now anyways, has been Jira cloud with stride, uh, not Jira server. I haven't had time to dig into this yet to see if 710 brings good server integration with stride. Um, but they're definitely going that direction. I just noticed this. I've, I read over this article, and I, I guess I missed this section. Case-insensitive labels are actually an important fix because we have gone under the assumption that Jira labels are a delicate flower because of their case sensitivity, and now they've fixed it. That's that's really useful when you're when if that's a way that you like to organize your issues. Just Still delicate, years. but slightly less delicate. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Labeling is yeah. fraught. <laughs> With peril. There'd be dragons. Speaking of dragons, there's nothing I like better than a good costume party. And if there's anyone who knows how to put on a good costume, it's Atlassian's Dom Price. And he's been in the news a little bit lately. We wanted to talk about those articles. Um, for those of you who are looking for uh, why am I saying that Dom Price puts on costumes, it's because when they have a ship it, Dom, it's got a theme, right? And Dom, being the global head of R&D for Atlassian, and a very funny guy, he puts out the full costume, and then he goes around the office as the, the day goes on, the 24-hour ship it, with um, a cart full of sweets and hands them out. That's his, that's his thing. And... It's funny that he hands out candy because in one of the articles that we found on Dom this week, he talks about using Candy Crush as a way to regain some of his mental space. So this this is a really interesting article for me because I've been encountering some of the the cognitive overload and burnout and everything recently. And, you know, I, I some 
Dom says he's tried meditation. He admits he can't sit down that long. I'm kind of the same way. I, I'm told continuously, meditate. I, I, my brain just, I, I can't, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but he talks about Spotify lists, you know, tranquil music. I'm, I'm listening to my own Spotify playlist of calm music this morning, trying to work through and get stuff done. And, and he talks about, you know, I, I take a break and I play Candy Crush. And, and for me, it's Panda Pop, but I will go and, and I'll play, you know, a, a level or two of Panda Pop. And sometimes that's just enough for me to reset. It's letting my brain work sort of subconsciously while I'm focusing on these colorful bubbles and the things that I'm popping. And I'm, I might come back from that with an answer to a, a problem that I've been struggling with for some time. So this sort of disconnecting during the workday is something that I think a lot of us overlook. You know, we're just so gung-ho, get everything done. We're going to put our time in. For those of us that are, are working at, at home, it's really easy to work long hours. But if you're at an office, you know, there's pressure to just, you know, churn everything out and, and that's it. And I think it's really important that we, we take those breaks and we slow down a little bit and we let our brains play so that we can come up with those creative solutions. Um, so that this, this article just made me smile because these are things that, that I've been learning how to do kind of recently myself. One of the things that we're trying to figure out on my team, um, we create training through Adaptivist Learners online training videos, and we work in an agile model. So we're doing two-week sprints, and we've just wrapped up work on a Jira portfolio course. It was uh, four sprints total, so eight weeks, which, like as I say it, four sprints, it doesn't seem like that long, but when we were really head down focused, uh, the whole team was starting to feel a bit of burnout. And we're looking forward through the portfolio plan because I use Jira portfolio to, to forecast our work. We've got a big Jira admin course coming up. Uh, we've got the text written, but we've got a lot of work to do. And the current estimates put it at like three months. So we're looking down the road going, how if if eight weeks was making us feel pretty stressed, what is what's 12 going to do to us? Uh, and so one of the things that we're thinking about is is not so much the the momentary things, but um how do we take these mentally sort of uh, taxing types of works, these cognitive uh, complex tasks, which Dom mentions in this article, how as we automate more work, as we get rid of basic data entry, as we get rid of basic things, we're focused on more and more complex stuff for a greater proportion of our day. How do we deal with that? And, and what I'm looking at and I'm talking with my team about is figuring out how we schedule our work and like inject other things in there. Cause I don't want to say like, Oh, let's just work 25 hours a week instead of 40. Um, but I want to do like, we spend a certain amount of time working on this and then maybe we switch to something that's still productive, but a bit more fun. Um, we've got our regular sprint meetings, which I think helps. We have other things that we do like this podcast, which I think helps and is still productive. One of the things I do a lot is I've got a whole stack of books to read that are related to my job and things I need to learn and taking a couple hours, you know, every week and picking up a book and, and going and sitting, you know, by a window. Um, I find it to be very helpful. What I'm hoping is that as we become very aware of this, uh, we can be more deliberate in scheduling our time and our work so that, uh, we don't need to sort of react to it as much. We don't need to be like, Oh my God, I've got to get away. But we start getting into a point where, we never reach that point of cognitive overload that instead we've built our work schedule and our, our day um, 
you know, ideally we're at about 80% instead of a hundred or 105%. So it's, it's figuring out how we can build our days. So we never reach that cognitive overload. And that way we end the day with some energy for our families and our friends and our other activities instead of just being wiped out. I think I'll probably start putting in a little bit of time for Sonic the Hedgehog part two, just to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm keeping mentally um, stable. We, we got to keep you fresh. Yeah. And the recent release of the game allows you to not have tails following you everywhere. And that makes a tremendous difference on the special levels. If you, if you're feeling me out there and are amongst our listenership, you know what I'm talking about. You'll be proud of me for repressing my quip about you, you got to have mental stability in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, today, we'd like to look at your flavor of feedback from the Trello blog, how to give negative feedback beyond the compliment sandwich. The compliment sandwich, delicious. We start with a compliment. We put some criticism meat in, and then we end with a nice slice of compliment. Makes you feel good. But there are other ways to do it, and these ways can be a little more efficient. Matthew, you had some strong thoughts on this. Go on. Yeah, the the compliment sandwich has been around forever, and the, the problem at, at its most base is it doesn't work well um, for two reasons, and they, they mention this on the blog. Uh, first, it's a structure, a conversational structure that has become well-known, such that when people open with a compliment, uh, we go, what's coming next? <laughs> the other about to drop. Um, the other problem with it is by ending with a compliment, people often forget the negative feedback. Uh, so the, the second model that they have in this blog post is actually the one that I use. It's the, uh, what do they call it? The feedback pizza, compliment and then criticism. This is actually something I, I started doing in um, two different arenas when I was in college. First was poetry workshops. So I studied poetry in college as a, a minor. Um, and then uh, public speaking, when I was getting or uh, giving feedback on public speaking, we just established a process of, we start with what was good, a strengths-based approach. Here's what you're doing well, do more of that. And you say, and here are the areas that are not so well, and you give constructive criticism and feedback. Uh, and by ending there, people retain that feedback a little bit better. So I I think that's a, a good approach. Um what I particularly liked about this blog post, though, is they, they take it further. Um, they've got a number of different recommendations, actually five. The number is five. They have five different recommendations. <laughs> a number of them. There are five. <laughs> but the first one, uh, create an environment of psychological safety. And I, that is so key. I've worked in several environments that take a fear-based approach to management, uh, where anything you do is wrong, or if you do something, um, you're going to be punished for it. And the problem with punishing people for doing something wrong is it means they never want to admit they did something wrong, so they never learn from it. So I think creating that environment of safety is really important. And one way I like to do that, and it sounds a bit counterintuitive, I like to do it by giving a lot of critical feedback. Still constructive criticism, but I think one of the mistakes we often made is by only giving feedback when like it's dire, when things have gotten really bad. It keeps it infrequent. And I think by making introducing frequent feedback cycles, you reduce the fear because nothing bad happens afterwards. Uh, and again, this comes to agile. You know, part of agile is having frequent feedback cycles. We talk every day in standup. We do a retrospective at the end of every sprint. We do postmortems. We do all this stuff and you get used to it of, Oh, they, they had some advice. It just becomes, it starts feeling more like advice and it's not a bad thing. And we, we gain trust of each other. And so I think, working through making it safe, making it constructive, making it positive. I think that's really key. 
it mentions that in the article. It talks about the timing of the the feedback delivery. Don't wait forever. Yeah, don't wait. And that that ties in item four, which is do it at the appropriate time. Don't wait too long. Ties right into item number five, which is give the give them time and opportunity to correct. I've seen over and over again where management will you know ignore a problem because they don't want to. I don't want to hurt their feelings. And the problem gets bigger. Well, you know, I've kind of let it go on for a while. So I'm just going to let the person self-correct. And it it just sort of snowballs. And then all of a sudden, it's really too late to do anything because you've ignored it for so long. But then what ends up happening is this is a problem and you have to fix it now. And the person doesn't have time to change gears and, and apply any corrections. And then you end up potentially losing a good employee because of the way this has all been handled. Um, so I feel like like timeliness and giving them time and opportunity to correct are both really critical parts of, of this uh, set of suggestions. It seems that by bottling those problems up and not talking about them either is a, a negative on both sides of the coin because the manager is biting their tongue when they're seeing a problem and the employee is not recognizing that there's a problem. So it's, it's all around bad. And depending on the employee you're dealing with, like they may not know legitimately. I mean, I've, I've dealt with a lot of uh, younger employees. I used to have, when I worked at the university, I had a lot of student workers. They, they don't have much work experience. They don't necessarily know the right way uh, to do things. And you, you just have to tell them, uh, you know, it's, it, it, uh, somewhat amusing. Ryan is, is on the video here pointing at himself. Um, but we, we our, our listeners, <laughs> our know. viewers at home, uh, may not know, but uh, Ryan used to be <laughs> Ryan used to be a student worker for Brenda on this podcast because we all worked at a university together. Um, and then Brenda went to a different job, and I was working with Ryan for a while. Um, and uh, and kudos I'm, to you, Ryan. Every time we gave you feedback, you you uh, you you worked with us. You know, so Ryan was doing a lot of graphic design at the time. Uh, here's the thing. Yeah, I don't really like that thing that much. What if we tried it like this? And you go, yeah, okay. And then try it like that. And it was always brilliant. It was always great. That's why we work so well together. I think that openness to feedback and and I think of it as collaboration. Like I think that your your constructive criticism, it you need to give it in the spirit and it needs to be received in the spirit of collaboration. We are on the same team. We all care about this. Let's just do better together. Well, the only way that you can have that is in the feeling of security. You can't mm-hmm. you can't be on pulling the same uh, barge if you don't if you feel like you're on separate this this metaphor is collapsing. Your mules yeah. and on the opposite sides of the river, something like that. Yeah, Ooh. which if one of you is in a mill going in a circle, but the other's tied to a barge. Yeah, it's like you're going two different ways. But if everybody's <laughs> pulling the same barge, uh, <laughs> oh, this one's a strain. <laughs> Either way, uh, we think that you should definitely take a minute and and read this article on the Trello blog. We will, of course, link to it in the description of this episode on the SoundCloud. Anything else, guys? Well, looking at our Trello board, uh, which we used to plan for this podcast, I think that's it for a week. Uh, for our listeners, we had so many things to talk about this week. Uh, we've had to push some of them to the next podcast just out of respect for your time. So we'll cover that, uh, some of that in the next podcast. Uh, we've got a couple of potential guest uh, spots as well. Yeah, so, hopefully those can... No spoilers. If, no spoilers, no but spoilers. if they come through, it'll be exciting. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this edition of Adaptivist Live. Enjoying the show? Share and share away. We'd love to see uh, you share an episode on your favorite social media 
outlet. If you have a suggestion for an article that you'd like for us to review, or you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or you just want to complain at us about something, feel free to email us at learn at adaptivist.com. For Matthew Stubblefield and Brenda Verl, I'm Ryan Spilkin, and we'll see you next time on Adaptivist Live. I mostly just want clementines right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>